Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, wow, so good just to spend some time singing the gospel together. And as we continue in the gospel reflections uh, series during the season of Lent leading up to Holy Week, um, just want to remind you of a couple things uh, that are forthcoming. Uh, all of you should have received this morning in your email inboxes. Um, uh, make sure to check it uh, today. So all, all the updates uh, for the week of prayer and service, an overview of all of what's happening that week, and then the spots for you to sign up both to pack meals with, with Kids Against Hunger and then also to pray. Uh, there's three different sets of prayer walks that are happening concurrently with uh, the packing of the meals. Uh, that's our service project on that particular day where there are no classes or chapel that Thursday, April 11th. So make sure to check that out. You have two weeks to sign up. So that's two weeks from today is the deadline to sign up April 9th. And uh, really excited about that week and uh, all of what the Lord is preparing for us. And um, also want to make mention, if you are interested in uh, working with uh, Chapel and with the spiritual formation team and uh, with spiritual development credit coming into place in the fall, we have two spiritual development assistants that are student stipend in positions uh, that we're looking to hire in the next month. And so the applications for that are on the rock. And if you have any questions, I uh, would love to hear from you. So um, this morning, uh, we're continuing in it with kind of a, a rhythm that we've cultivated of having uh, students share and students speak and testify uh, uh, on, on Tuesdays. And so today we have one of our very own, uh, a senior, uh, Brent Van Busicum. And uh, okay, maybe don't really need an introduction, but um, he's served in residence life the last uh, couple years and is currently uh, the ARD for Knudsen. So... And uh, I got to know Brent particularly last year as I was the new on staff, and he reached out to me to be a campus connection, and uh, much better than the hall hookup, right? Better name. So I'm glad I was a campus connection. That's what they used to be called. So um, maybe that was before your time. So uh, that was a good change. And as I got to know Brent, um, I noticed that, one, he developed a reputation for being quite the prankster um, in, the, in the dorms, uh, but more importantly... Um, he has a deep passion for the Lord and a deep passion and love for his fellow students. And the way that I saw him just love and care and shepherd uh, the, the guys in his hall and uh, the, the, the friendships that he fostered, um, I really, the Lord is preparing uh, him for ministry now, but also for what's ahead. So uh, really excited to have him share uh, this morning and particularly out of a, a gospel passage that's been uh, specifically impactful for him. So Without further ado, give a warm Northwestern welcome to our very own brother in Christ, Brent Van Busicum. <laughs> Let's pray for our brother and for ourselves as well. Jesus, uh, we thank you and praise you that you indeed are our living hope. And I pray and we pray now for our brother Brent that he would experience that reality and that truth. That you, Jesus Christ, are dwelling in him and we'll speak through him now, and that you would guide him uh, by your spirit um, in this particular passage of scripture, and as how this is um, intersected with different uh, seasons of his life, and how it continues to shape and further form him to the image of Christ. I pray that as we hear that through him, that we too would be, our eyes would be lifted, our hearts um, would, be, would be warmed, that our, that our minds would be attentive, and that we would become more like you together. Thank you for this time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Well, good morning, Northwestern. So, like Justin said, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brent Van Busicum. 
I'm a senior ministry major here at school, and I've been given the opportunity to speak to you guys, to share a little bit out of scripture, but also to share a little bit about my testimony here at Northwestern and just what the Lord has been putting on my heart lately. But first, if you guys would just join me in prayer once again. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Everything I say up here is useless unless you are speaking through it. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak through me. So that way you may be glorified and so that way we may come to know you more. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. So my parents have told me a story about how when I was two years old, so two decades ago, I'd be uh, sitting at home on the carpet playing with my little cars or what have you, and I would hear the doorbell ring, and my mom or dad would answer the door, and I would hear my grandfather's voice. And whenever I heard my grandfather's voice, I would get absolutely so excited. I would rise up from whatever I was doing, and I'd break into an all-out sprint. I would bolt down the center hallway towards the front door. And our front door had like a little step, like a little ledge, not this big, but like just a little step. And I would use that as a launching pad, and I would run towards my grandfather, and I would absolutely leap into his arms with complete confidence and complete trust that he would catch me. And that's what he did. He caught me every single time. But for some reason, I have a difficult time doing the same thing in my relationship with the Lord. For some reason, when I hear the Lord's voice, when I hear the Lord calling me to do something that may have, you know, unknown outcomes, I struggle to trust him and I allow fear to enter my mind. Fear that maybe he won't catch me or fear that maybe he won't come through, at least in the way that I expect him to. You know, I love my grandfather and all, but at this time in life, he was probably about 70 years old, and he wasn't getting any stronger. And I don't know how much the average two-year-old weighs, but probably like 30 pounds. And like, I can just imagine like someone throwing like a 30-pound dumbbell at him or something. But like as a two-year-old, I had complete trust in him that he would catch me. But as a 22-year-old, I struggled to have that same trust for God to catch me, the maker of the universe, the maker of heaven, and of earth. I struggle to do that. You know, about a month ago, when I received an email from Justin um, of him asking if I would at all be interested of speaking in chapel, my initial re reaction was like, oh, no way. Like, there is no way I am getting up in front of maybe like five, six hundred of my peers and speaking in front of them. But almost immediately after that, I felt the Lord put on my heart, Brent, I want you to speak and I want you to speak on fear. And in that moment, I was like, oh, well played, God, well played. <laughs> uh, so that is why this morning, I will be speaking about fear and trust. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. This is a story that I'm confident that most, if not all of you, have heard before. It's the story of Peter and of Jesus walking on water. And you know, when I was like, when I first decided, like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to speak in chapel, I was like brainstorming, like, what passages should I speak on? Like, I could speak on Jesus and Peter walking on water, but that just seems so familiar to, to me and to everyone. It's like, do, will people actually want to hear that? But I was told that, you know, Brent, sometimes the most familiar passages are the ones that we should start with, because that familiarity can be a barrier to 
seeing things that are just like right there in the text. So my goal is hopefully you guys can learn something this morning. I definitely have when I was studying it. So Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. We're going to stop there for the moment. So the passage starts off with the word immediately, implying that maybe something significant or perhaps noteworthy came before it. And what did come before it in the context of the passage is Jesus feeding the 5,000. So when it says in verse 22 and 23 that Jesus dismissed the crowd, it was the 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children. So the many, many thousands of people, that is the crowd that Jesus is dismissing while he has the disciples get into the boat to go out on the lake, while he himself goes on a mountainside by himself to pray. And the text says that evening was approaching, if not already here. So we can deduce that it was maybe around 6 p.m., 7 p.m., maybe 5 o'clock. That's like pushing it on the early side. But it was evening. And we see that Jesus is praying by himself while the disciples are in the boat by themselves. In verse 25, it says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out, went out to them, walking on the lake. You see, apparently in Roman times, they split up uh, the last 12 hours of the day. So like what they considered nighttime. So 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., they split that up into four sections consisting of three hours each. So the fourth watch of the night would have been sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. This means that if we just say that Jesus was on that mountainside starting at 7 p.m. and he got to the disciples at 3 or 4 a.m., he was by himself praying for several hours before he went out to them. And the disciples, they were by themselves uh, straining at the oars, fighting the wind, fighting the waves for several hours, for several hours before Jesus uh, came to them. And in verse 26, it says, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now apparently in that culture, there is a common belief that evil spirits lived in the water, or that people who drowned at, in the lake or in the sea would later become spirits that would haunt others who would sail through the seas. Now given that, plus the fact that it was perhaps 4 a.m. in the morning, I can completely see how the disciples would have been terrified. Because if for some reason I would ever be awake at like 3 or 4 a.m., which odds are not high, that's like an ungodly hour to be awake. <laughs> but if for some reason I was ever awake at that time and like out on a boat on a lake at that time, and as I look over the, the foggy lake and I see this like shadowy figure like coming towards me, like I would be flipping out. I would be freaking out, guys. Like you know in those cartoons or like, like Scooby-Doo, where they get scared and they jump up and their legs start moving, but they're not, like, actually going anywhere. That would totally be me in this passage. So, like, I can completely understand why the disciples were freaking out. But listen to Jesus' response to them in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I love how the first thing that Jesus says to them is reassurance. He says, take heart. It's me. 
I'm here before you. And because I'm here with you, you have nothing to fear. And the NIV translates it, uh, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. But some other translations, and in my opinion, a better and more accurate translation would be, take courage, I am, don't be afraid. And the disciples growing up in the Jewish culture in which they did, they would, have they would have known exactly what Jesus was saying. You see, I am is the personal name of God, Yahweh. And in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, we see the story of Moses. Moses in the burning bush. Moses in, is in the wilderness, and off in the distance, he sees a fire. And he says to himself, that bush isn't burning up. That's peculiar. Better go check it out. Turned out to be God. Um, and God is calling Moses to lead his people Israel out of Egypt. And Moses is making up all these excuses, all of these doubts that enter his mind on why he should not be the one to go. And, he, and God says to him in Exodus 3, 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. By Jesus saying, take courage, I am, don't be afraid, the disciples would have known that Jesus was claiming, or at least reminding them, that he is God. The same God that brought the Israelites through the water, through the Red Sea, uh, over a thousand years ago, is the same God that stands upon the water before them. Jesus reminds them of the truth. He reminds them that he is the truth. And because he is here with them, they have absolutely nothing to fear. Let's move on to verses 28 through 33. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love the dialogue that takes place between Jesus and Peter here. Jesus says, take courage, I am, don't be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if this is truly you, if this is truly you who stands before me, tell me to come to you, and I will come. Peter doesn't ask for all the details of the situation. He doesn't ask if everything is going to be all right. He just says, tell me to come, and I will come. And I love what Jesus does, too, because Peter, or Jesus doesn't explain everything to Peter. He doesn't explain how this is all going to work, but he simply says, come. And we see Peter do that. And I love how also Jesus initiates, and Jesus is walking towards Peter and all the other disciples, and Peter responds by coming to his Lord, as opposed to waiting for Jesus to come all the way. Peter responds by coming to his Lord. And, and honestly, I think Peter gets a lot of criticism in this chapter because, like, look at all the other 11 disciples. Peter was the only one who had the faith to at least go upon the water while all the other 11 disciples stayed in the boat where they had the illusion of safety. And to, th to this day, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, 
Peter is the only person besides Jesus to have ever walked on water before, even if it was only for a moment. And as we will see, it was only for a few seconds that Peter walks on water. You see those first few seconds, Peter's gaze was right on Jesus. Peter was looking directly at his Lord, directly at his Savior, and he is walking on water with Jesus. But then I don't know what it was, whether it was the howling of the wind or if some waves crashed at his feet. He gets distracted. He looks around. He looks at the wind. He looks at the waves, and he allows fear to enter his mind. He allows doubt to enter his mind, and because of that, he starts to sink. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above. Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, for at least a few seconds, that's exactly what Peter was doing. But then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts to sink. Something that I notice in this passage as well as in my own life is that fear will sink us while faith will move us forward. Fear will sink us while faith will move us forward. That's what I see here in Matthew 14, and that's what I see in my own life as well. You see, if I'm being honest with you guys, I have a lot of fears right now as well. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm a senior this year, so I've been, so I'm going to graduate this May, and I've been applying to a lot of jobs, and I've been looking at a lot of opportunities for ministry and such, and you know, that's stressful, and that is fearful, because obviously I've never been in this situation before where I'm going to be entering a career. And especially when, like, one of the options of, of the career that I go into is going on staff with this fantastic college ministry. But the thing is, is that I would have to support raise in order to get a paycheck. And that is just scary. That is a fearful thing to do because that takes complete reliance and complete trust upon the Lord. And in my head, I know God can provide. In my head, I know God will provide. But there's always that voice in the back that says, what if he doesn't? What are you going to do, Brent, if he doesn't provide? If I'm being honest with you guys right now, the thing that I fear the most is upon graduation. Upon graduation, if I get a job that's far away, or I get a job that's out of state, um, of me going where the Lord calls, but losing a lot of the friendships that I've made here at Northwestern. There are many of you in this room right now who I've come so close to. There are many of you, and I'm being honest with you guys, I don't know what I would do without you. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without you because I just love you guys so much. And I fear of the possibility of losing some of you. Especially um, these last couple years in Res Life have just been fantastic. Having a great hall and having a great staff last year and this year. The Lord has just given me a brotherhood and a sisterhood of believers that have come by my side. And I'm afraid of losing you guys. Like I said, um, it being my senior year, I've been doing a lot of reflecting, a lot of reminiscing on my time here at Northwestern. 
And I remember the times that I've had with so many of you, times that we've had late night deep talks, times where we've gone to China restaurant or Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A, times that we've played board games together, times where I've lost in those board games, times where I've shared so many laughs and inside jokes with so many of you. And I'm afraid that the Lord calls you far away. And I'm going to lose you guys. But you know, when I was two years old, jumping into my grandpa's arms, I was never focused on what could go wrong. I was focused on him. I was focused on his presence. And I was focused on the fact that I just wanted to be with him. And that he wanted to be with me. And I believe the exact same thing should be our focus in our relationship with Jesus. To be focused on him. His presence and the fact that, Jesus, I just want to be with you. And I know that you want to be with me. And I need to remind myself of these truths by fixing my eyes on Christ all the time. And constantly be focused on not the things around me, but be focused on Jesus. And when I am focused on him, I can be reminded that Jesus is bigger than anything else that happens in life. I can be reminded that Jesus is better than anything I could possibly seek or desire. And I can be reminded that Jesus is constant, even if nothing else is. So how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? I've got a few thoughts for you guys. The first one is prayer. You see, prayer expresses our complete dependence and reliance upon the Lord. Prayer says, God, I know I'm not in control, but I know that you are, and I'm trusting you with this. The first one is prayer. The second one is to constantly be reminded of God's truth. This could look like scripture, which is great, and I love the Bible and everything, but I actually don't want to focus on scripture right here. I want to focus on music. You see, music has had such a big impact on my life, and I hope you guys can see my heart behind this. I'm not saying this to like build myself up or anything, but I'm saying this as an example of the power behind it. Worship music, contemporary Christian music. One of my favorite worship songs today called Tremble by Mosaic. I absolutely love what they sing in the bridge to that song. They say, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. I don't know about you guys, but it's lyrics like these that are just so encouraging, so uplifting to me. Don't even get me started about Lauren Daigle. There's so many songs that she sings that are just fantastic. Be reminded of God's truth through music. The third one is to have friends that push you towards Jesus. This is something that Peter didn't have, at least not at that moment. See, like I said earlier, Peter was the only person out there on the waves. All the other 11 disciples stayed in the boat. None of them pushed him towards Jesus. None of them were fixing his, their eyes on, on Christ. But Peter was. This is something that he didn't have, but this is something that I am so thankful that the Lord has blessed me with. There are so many times throughout my years here and like continuing to this day where I can go to my friends 
they're like, oh, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm afraid of this. Like, can you help me out? And they're like, Brent, I know, I know that deep down this hurts, but look at Jesus. Look at Christ. He is so much bigger. He is so much better. And I love that. I'm so incredibly thankful that the Lord has given me people like that. One person in particular, many of you guys may know him. I had the honor of being an RA with him last year. His name is Austin Heil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his name is Austin Heil. Um, I was talking to him last semester sometime about this concept of fear. I, I was just wanting his thoughts, and Austin looks right at me. He looks me right, right in the eye, and he says to me, Brent, whenever I'm fearing something, I go directly to Jesus with it in prayer. And if it's okay with Jesus, I then go and directly do whatever it is that I was fearing. Because you see, in Romans 8, 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And Austin looks at me and he tells me, I don't want to live in my old self as a slave to fear, but I want to live in my new freedom as a son of God. Austin pointed me back towards Jesus. He pointed my gaze back upon Christ. Have friends that push you towards Jesus. Fear is always going to keep us back from God's purposes. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, I'm confident that we will be able to truly leap into God's arms with complete trust in Him, just like I was able to do with my grandfather so many years ago. Go in peace. You guys are dismissed.